0: Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week we shine a light on the individuals making waves in the world of fintech and on a Sunday we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. This week we want to talk about career choices. With the recovery in full swing and a steep rise in job opportunities, it's never been so prevalent than now for us to help people make the right choices for their careers, not just for today and tomorrow, but for the long run, for their families and for themselves. In our podcast, both Toby and myself have always had the pleasure of speaking to people who have made the right career choices for themselves, who have ended up being able to celebrate what has come of that um, and what they've achieved. And through that, there have been some failures, there have been some mistakes, but they have built from those and they have built great opportunities for themselves. So what we wanted to talk about this week is about your career choices um, and if people are making the right ones now and what is needed to make the right ones. So Toby, whose career stories and career choices can you share with us today?
1: Thanks, Nadia. It's interesting you, you sort of raised this topic when we were uh, chatting yesterday about what to uh, what, to be, what we we're going to be talking about today. Because yesterday afternoon, I had a chat with Justin Blake, who is a senior developer out in Australia, on a fintech focus TV show that will be coming up very very soon. Uh, he's uh, over at Traction Fintech and uh, works with a guy called Quinn Perot, who's hired him three times now in different businesses, who we've had on the show before as well. Really interesting conversation overall about market volatility and what crypto means for stocks and and uh tension with china and everything in between there but what was really interesting was mapping his career and we asked you know in, in a sort of breakaway from what we've done traditionally on the show I was really interested just to dive into his journey similar to that event that you held a couple of years ago where you had a panel of ctos talking about their journey from uh, uh from graduate through to cto and how they moved that journey we, we sort of Spoke to Justin about um, you know some of the sort of core lessons that he give a younger, you know, a younger self, his younger self, uh, first getting into development. So, he was a CAD designer, then he was an IT manager, and then he got more and more of an interest into into software development. And from there, he bumped into a client who was, was uh, talking about the the financial se- services sector. And that sort of uh, cascaded them into quantitative development. That cascaded them into trading for for a little bit. That gave him loads and loads of information. Now he's one of the you know, the, the world's most revered uh, derivatives experts and a very, very strong developer growing a team that are really sort of helping mitigate the risks of in, in regulatory reporting. And I thought that was a really, really interesting journey to talk through on that. And, and the things that he was talking about was just being open, being open to opportunity, being open to learning, to work hard, to be there. And in that software development space, just being recognising that you're, you're mission critical and you know when things need to happen, they need to happen fast and you being you know, able to push yourself into that sort of situation. I spoke again to Haranda Misra, who's regularly on, on the show. Haranda's a very interesting case in that as well. I'm uh, a natural entrepreneur, you know, having been one of the founder members of ChaiX that uh, since became BATS and then uh, CBOE. Really, really interesting stories about his career journey and, and how what I'm always interested in with Gmex is that they seem to be able to, metamorphosize as the opportunities come up in the world uh, all over the world and, and yeah, his his business is fascinating business in terms of all the different locations and geographies that he's been able to uh, move himself into so i thought really really interesting from him and then we also spoke yesterday or the day before yesterday to mark beeston um, mark is the founder of uh, illuminate financial he's invested in in numerous businesses in two funds the second fund just closing in his stable of, of, of amazing fintech companies they are uh, serially making the right decisions and good calls around what, what they're doing at the moment mark was a banker who then moved into this investment space and and you know the company's now grown into four geographies with 15 people uh, making investments uh you know, a series of investments all, all over the world in, in classic businesses so really really good examples with, th- with three people there about how various different careers have formed and I think that career choices piece and, and the decisions people make at early stages in their career, I always say this to the team, invariably they're talking to people who, are, uh, who still have 20, 30, 40 years of their career to run and they're making decisions that are based on one or 2,000 pounds on an offer, which is completely the wrong thing to be looking at when you're, when you're thinking about that because you look at the trajectories of, of Justin, of Mark, of Hiranda, and you recognise that making the right choice at this sort of stage of your career can impact the next 20, 30 years far more than am I going to be able to squeeze out an extra couple of grand from this business or £5,000 or 10000 It's completely inconsequential. And that's a really, really interesting fact that I know you've got a lot of thoughts on as well. T- t- tell me what you think, Nadia.
0: Yeah, I'm so pleased that you brought that up because this really is the crux of today's conversation. Um, the choices that we make now, are they going to put us into the positions that we want to be in later on? And, you know, you and I, through, throughout the years, we've constantly spoken to applicants about that that whole point. Um, but it is very difficult, especially when there's so much opportunity, when there's so many different options for people. It's difficult for them to make the right choice or to be given the time to put to put into really understanding what the right choice is for them, for their family and for, for what they actually want to do. And I think that one of the things that um, I'm really encouraging people to be asking is actually where, where do you seriously see yourself in a few years' time? Not just that, that transactional question of, oh, you know, I expect to be a little bit further up the ladder, but actually what do you want to be doing? What is your passion? What do you think you're really good at? How can we build on those strengths? What sort of environment do you need? And I think it's so important that you give us those three examples because I've got a couple of couple of examples myself. So this week I spoke with Diliana Valcheba, strategy uh, finance expert for Finality International. And she, she actually was the one that really made me start thinking about this again. She spoke about the lessons that she's learned. She was so, so inspiring. She said, take risks in your career. Don't be afraid. She told about how she'd learned from failure. She said, don't follow your friends and their dreams. Build upon your own dreams. And also, don't be married to a career plan that you decided upon five years ago. Look at the opportunities that are in front of you. Because if you are too wedded to that career plan, you may miss the opportunities that that are coming your way all the time she really is a person that celebrates different backgrounds people from different countries of origin to really build upon different perspectives and points of view and from from her from her background what she was saying is if you can bring a positive attitude to every day any challenge can be tackled as a team if you do come from these different backgrounds and if you do look at the challenge that's put in front of you and I think that that's just so pertinent right now when people are considering so many different job opportunities and as you so rightly say some of these opportunities could be two thousand pounds more or five thousand pounds more and that is their decision making rather than is this the environment that's going to get the best out of me and build me onto the next stage of my career i also had a great conversation with michelle johnson head of uk and ireland for fexco um she's actually written a brilliant article um based on our podcast called Taking a Punt. Because as we got through the podcast and recording it, and that article of hers is is in our magazine, as we were recording it, I, I, I kept referring back to how many times that she was saying, I took a punt, I went for it. And it's really, really interesting to hear somebody as successful as Michelle, having gone through so many iterations of her career and have had so many challenges that she's faced and overcome and I think that that's just really really important for people to listen to and to understand that you know no no career is going to be a straight line mm. there will be different there'll be different challenges that you'll have to take take upon yourself um there'll be different learns there'll be different opportunities and actually I think one thing that Michelle spoke about is that as she's built her career, she's had to take some sideways steps. So when we look at today's marketplace, we have been speaking now for a number of weeks about the big opportunities in uh, financial services and fintech. We've been speaking about the numerous, numerous new roles that have, been, that have been appearing, all the vacancies, how there is so much out there for applicants if, if, they, if they wish to apply. And what we're seeing now are candidates with six opportunities, five, five job offers, thinking which one that they're going to choose. And unfortunately, what I've seen is a lot of people are taking the first offer that comes their way because they're put under pressure rather than thinking, what is it that I truly need? And so for me, these two podcasts, they were really important because... Michelle took a punt every time. She, she was absolutely focused on what is going to make me better and what's going to build upon my career. And Diliana, she really relished in taking the risk as well. And I think with those two, couple that with the three examples that you gave us, it really is important that people think about these longer term, bigger picture decisions that may seem like smaller decisions now, but will put people on career trajectories and career paths that they never thought of before quite
1: interesting as well, isn't it? About that, you know, that, that sort of risk-taking versus you know, for the right reasons versus the wrong ones. I read a really interesting article today, and you can, you can argue whether it's the right or the wrong one, depending on which way of the uh, the coin you, you you fall. But there's there's an Olympic story about a guy called Lawrence Okoye who will be uh, throwing discus on Friday for Great for Team GB. So you might remember that he was um, a 20-year-old medal hope um, in. Uh, for, Team G, for Team GB in 2012 uh, and this is a guy who who got a scholarship for his academics to Whitgift School and uh, ended up scoring a try at Twickenham was on the books of wass and various other other teams when he was still at school scored a try in the final of the Daily Mail Cup was a great uh, rugby hope uh, for, for, for where it was he also had an offer for Oxford to read law at Oxford which he, which he postponed and is still postponed now, however many years, nearly a decade on on from it. He was seen as the next Joan Lomu, could have been a uh, international rugby star, six foot six, 20-odd stone, um, fast as lightning, and was a guy who was brought up in a you know, small house in, in Croydon and given an opportunity. And at that time, just after 2012, when he was gaining all that, that sort of traction and, and interest in him, the San Francisco 49ers came in and offered him a... Uh, a trial to go and the opportunity to go out to play professional American football NFL, which he'd never done before out in the States. And he went out there and he's had a a journeyman career playing for Dallas Cowboys, NFL, Arizona Cardinals, uh, Miami Dolphins, various other teams, teams around it. But it was interesting speaking to his coach, his original discus coach, who he's now back with for this Olympic game, where I think it's probably this Olympics has probably come a cycle too early for him. The coach was, Saying he's got the potential to to break the world record at this Olympics, but it's probably a little bit too, a little bit too early. But I'm just really interested about the the fact that he was saying he thought it was a mistake for him to go out there to follow the riches of the uh, the the NFL, and a career that never really got you know took off as much as, as it could have done because he was a, a fast physical specimen to go in there never having done it, to then for suddenly find yourself yeah you know, in the the very highlight of it. And I just wonder again if that's a sort of sight of saying. Yeah, going there and looking at the uh, the money, it might have been a great journey for him. I don't know Laurent Sequoia, but I do think sometimes people look at it and say, right, is this blitz and glamour the right way forward for me, or is there a pathway to focus on your super strength and take a longer route to to what he could have been over the course of the next 10 years? He can still be a lawyer. He can still go to Oxford, and it's likely that he will apparently go in and, and uh, read his law degree. It is likely that he may well be able to podium at this uh, at this Olympiad, but it's also highly, highly possible that in Rio he would have got a gold medal. It's also possible that he could have been a uh, international rugby legend for for England, rede- and redefined English rugby in the same way that Jonah Lomu did for the All Blacks. And I just think sometimes that that, that those ifs and buts are, are are very interesting. Helen Glover was very inspirational today. She just missed out on the podium, but came back for another Olympics as uh, as one of our greatest ever rowers. Uh, I think she, you know, it, it's interesting. She wrote here just after having had twins. She's back at Olympics. Just got fourth. Just got edged out of the uh, the bronze medal position. But she said, "You can do anything you, you want to. Trying and failing is no problem as long as you try." And I think you know those two Olympic stories probably tie in a little bit with what you've just been talking about with the podcast that you've been doing as well, albeit in different things to say that this is a careers are difficult things to do, and you can always look back with hindsight and regret. But I think as long as you're making analytical, sensible decisions about what you're doing. And even those risks which are, which are there, do they make sense in what you're doing? And are they the best route for your, for your career? Which is why it's always important to speak with mentors, friends, advisors, recruiters who are there to help you take that, that sort of journey and listen to it properly. Not based off of hubris or not based off pounds and pence, but based off where you want to go with your career.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that from my point of view it's about actually pausing for a moment and and really thinking about your career so when i said at the start you know where do you want to be in a few years time that question is asked all the time but do people actually give the real answer have they given themselves enough time to really think about the answer to that question i think really that question should be broken down it isn't what other people want for you in your career it's about what you and your family what you yourself want in your career what are your strengths? Where can you add the most value? What do you love doing? What do you want to learn? What's going to keep you engaged day in, day out? And I think that, you know, as, as always in recruitment, when we see lots of opportunities and lots of vacancies, we also see lots of people rushing at decision-making. And this is why today career choices, I think, is so, so important because um, even though any, any recruiter will tell you it's in our blood to speed things up, I'm actually going to say, let's just pause for a minute. Let's have a proper conversation about what is it that's going to keep you engaged. Um, When you have opportunities in front of you, what actually, where do you want to be with these opportunities in a couple of years time? That's when the question is, it's most important. Which of these opportunities will get you to where you want to get to over and above which one is 1,000 or 2,000 pounds more? And also on the other side of that, If that is what your driver is, then good for you and that's what you go for. But be sure that that's what you want your driver to be over what could help me build for tomorrow. And I think that that's that's what I really wanted to bring to today because, you know, from an applicant's point of view, let's take that second and think about it. But also from the points of view of all the people listening who are are the hirers right now. It's our responsibility to be asking people what do they want and understanding if we can give that to them. And I'm a big believer that um, across fintech and financial services at the moment, because there's so much opportunity, roles can be created for the individual and roles can be tailored to that individual. Even if you have a specific skill set that you are looking for right now, if you understand what that person wants to learn on top of that, That can be done if only we give that the time that it needs to understand and that's how we build a much better and stronger and more successful industry based on what people want to do for the long term so for me career choices was um, a really really important theme And and I want people to go away from listening to this and think how can I bring this to make whichever situation I'm in whether I'm looking for work whether I'm looking for people how can I make that a more robust experience
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's very, very interesting. I think you know you, you talk there about the money aspects of it all and people making uh, decisions based on pounds and pens, But there's also crazier decisions that people make make their career choices on, like who's uh, who's offered first, mm. um, or any, anything like that. That this is a, this is a process that will make and, and and define the future of your career and can take you on loads of journeys. So I think that that sort of ability to to look at every option. Uh, weigh it up, speak to everyone and then uh, make sure it's there is, is, I agree, massively, massively important. I want to I want to talk as well about the magazine that we've uh, released. If I may move on to to yeah, yesterday, uh, there was I say yesterday. This is a Sunday show, isn't it? So uh, pre-recording now exposed. The 28th of uh, July, we've just released our latest uh, magazine, The Financial Technologist, and it is an absolute triumph. I think front page is is right up there with one of my two of be- two best of all time, my two favourites of all time. We're looking at being back in uh, you know the world, moving back to business. We have a series of articles in there. Nadia, I'll I'll let you talk about the bumper edition of DE&I contributions that we've had through this time out. We've got the salary survey, speaking of career change, which I think is really important. If you are a business who uh, has a a number of financial technologists in your company, have a look to see if you are paying at the right sort of level within that. If you are someone who is pondering a career move, see if you're being paid in the right sort of area and what you could potentially achieve uh, and be worth in that sort of space as well. The next phase we have a look at is fast growth. So we're looking at businesses there who have turned the negative of the, the pandemic into a positive and seen their businesses flourish. We're exploring the secrets of a number of different companies who've grown exponentially over the course of the of the pandemic. And we also uh, have the uh, blog piece written by the Realisation Group in conjunction with six different entrepreneurs looking at the seven habits of highly successful fintech leaders there are a wealth of gems in that that are really really useful based on you know research that we've also looked at from over 100 episodes of, of my podcast similar numbers of yours nadia of, of just the, the, the sort of traits that come out again and again and again about how people are, are winning in this marketplace at the moment tell us a little bit about what you the contribution of your crew in the uh in the magazine as well
0: i absolutely love this magazine and i love that it's it really shows a story. It's part of a series, isn't it? Over this pandemic, we've really yeah interconnected and linked these magazines. We've told a story of the industry. We celebrated exactly what I love most about this industry. I call it the FinTech mindset, you know, this, this sort of resilience that, you know, throw us a challenge, we'll rise to it. And I, I absolutely, I feel so proud to be part of that. I I love our our DE&I section. It's the the biggest section that we've ever had in one of the magazines. And for want of a better word, it's a blueprint. There are so many companies that are asking me, what should we be doing? We want to be better. We want to be more inclusive. People are starting to make the inclusion success connection, which is something, I know I sound like a broken record, but I keep going on Mm -hmm. about it. But if CEOs of businesses, if everybody in the business can't see that can't see that success and inclusion are connected, then, then we're, we're going to have problems. But people have really making this connection. So now rather than debating about how important inclusion is, people are saying, how do we become more inclusive? this bumper edition is very much part of that and it's not me saying it it's it's all the people that i've learned from saying it it's each of their different experiences what they're doing celebrating their wins what's worked for them also highlighting what hasn't and i think that that's really open honest and and really useful so um anyone listening to this please download our, our magazine and have a look at some of those articles because uh, we will be publishing them as individuals as well on LinkedIn to get as much visibility as possible. But the blueprint is there um, to answer any questions people have about how they can become a better better company and a better team and a better environment for people they want to attract, but also people they already have in their team. How do you make that a better environment so people are engaged day in, day out, bringing their all to their roles and will be retained?
1: Absolutely. So, another, uh, another great conversation, lads. I always enjoy these. Is there anything else that you want to, uh, to finish up on?
0: So, we are recording this on the 29th. Tomorrow is the 30th, and that is my book deadline. Just Whoa. Re-
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: just to remind everybody, um, so I've been spending since last, uh, it was probably last August that I got the, the, uh, the contract offer with Palgrave, Macmillan, and Springer to write the book, The Fintech Women Who Walk the Talk. Driving change for gender equality in the workplace. At Toby, as you mentioned, I've, I've interviewed over 150 women within the space, uh, celebrated their careers, uh, shared their lessons, um, listened to their advice. And I, and I brought that together um, into a book where I've quoted 118 women and allies um, to talk about, again, a blueprint of what we should be doing within the industry. And again, my favourite word at the moment, it's a blueprint for people to really um, understand what they need to do. And one of the biggest things for me, it's changing the question rather than uh, companies coming to us as a recruiter and saying, Hey, can you find us female applicants because we want to affect our gender imbalance? Yes, of course we can, but actually the question should be, Hey, can you help us become more attractive to your female applicants? And I think that that's a slightly different question, but has, just a myriad of differences within within the execution. And as we have always said, recruitment isn't about finding somebody one job and hoping that they stay there. Instead, it's about us supporting people in their careers and us supporting businesses as they grow for the long run. We want people that we place to be happy at companies for many years to come. And inclusion is a huge, huge part of that. And addressing the gender imbalance is a huge part of that. So yes, we can boast that we can help with people from all sorts of backgrounds. We can help with all genders. We can help with inclusion and hiring inclusively, but it's about retaining inclusively. That's really important to me as well. And this is what the book's about. So today I am slightly stressed uh, to put it mm. lightly because I've got my 62,500 words that I've got to cut down to 60,000 words. I am still waiting upon seven signatures so that I'm allowed to quote the last seven people within the book and 11 bios but this all will happen by um, noon on Friday the 30th and then I will breathe out a sigh of relief
1: (laughs) I've got an idea cut those seven people out then you've got your 60,000 words
0: (laughs) do you know what you're not the only one that said that they've got really good
1: points i can't i cannot wait to uh i cannot wait to read it i'm sure it's going to be an absolute uh game changer and uh, i'm really proud of you for, for putting it thank out thank you
0: there.
1: thank you so very very exciting we're getting to, to uh the very final phases of it i can't wait for the release it's going to be really exciting and uh yeah i'm sure it's going to be an absolute smash nadia listen thanks so much for your wisdom as always thank you all for listening to the show We've enjoyed it. We hope you have. All we ask is is that you help spread this far and wide. We've got, had listeners all over the world, which we coach, which blows us away every single week. But all we ask you to do is like, share, pass the pod on, give us ratings wherever you get your, your, your podcast from, because that really helps us uh, spread the gospel. We love giving it to you. And if you have any thoughts about what you'd love to hear or things that we can give us any insight to, we're more than happy to add that to it. So keep the ideas coming and really appreciate everyone who's written in so far. Thank you very much. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.